Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round one recap for this week's Travelers Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Kyle Porter is here, KP. Happy Travelers Thursday. Yeah, uh, this is crazy. I'm watching, uh, I guess they're in Connecticut now, but I'm watching the Golf Channel live from the Travelers. It feels like it's another major week. is Is this the fifth major? Is this that I'm that's not what I see on TV, but are you talking about right now? Or are you talking about like in general? <laughs> well, it was it was uh, Rich Lerner and Brando live from from TPC River Highlands. Now it's oh. the KPMG okay. women's PGA. Yeah, I, I didn't know if I was behind or something. And I've been watching the uh, wrong golf all day long trying to figure out what's <laughs> going on. But you're but watching you're, right. you're watching the 2019 travel. <laughs> that's what I was like. I was literally afraid of. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I think that for whatever reason, whether it's all the accommodations that the event makes, like people, people, they get a great field. They show up for this. It's, it's, it's important to the area. I spent a year in Hartford. It is important to the area. And I think that shows through on on everything else yeah travelers is i think i mentioned this on on uh tuesday but they they do a great job of kind of winning people over right whether it's players whether it's media they take us out to dinner at the masters every year they're just they 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 know what they're doing and they do it well and i think you see the fruits of that every year because they have a great field they have a great tournament and it's well covered and it, it it shouldn't be right because it's right after the U.S. Open, and in spite of that, it's still a, a really good event every year. So they, kudos to them because they do a great job. Two men at the top of the leaderboard after this Thursday opening round. Kramer Hickok bogeyed his first hole of the morning and then proceeded to rattle off eight more birdies to get in at seven under par in a 63. His best finish this season, KP, a T8 at Bermuda. Yeah, I've got a really interesting Kramer Hickok quote for you. I, I've got I've got like a whole page of notes here i don't know how long we're gonna go but uh he said uh i got off to like the worst warm-up session of the year this morning i was just hitting it everywhere and so i and so i really changed it that's like me every warm-up session Mm -hmm. and so i changed my strategy i was just trying to play a little bit more conservative hit greens and once the putt started to fall i just knew it really freed me up so i felt like i made a lot of putts today and the greens uh, are rolling good. So the hole looks big. So he essentially was like, I got nothing. I'm just going to try to hit the center of the green and see if anything falls. And I think he finished what third or fourth in, in strokes game putting. I have him at I, third at the moment. Yes. Okay. So I'm curious about like, sometimes do you think guys just 
take on too much? Like, do they just go at too many pins instead of, and I get it. Like you can't put like this every round. Right. But I, I do wonder if, if more guys sort of employed this idea of like, I, I don't like just being, um, I guess more conservative and then just letting the putter basically taking mistakes out of play. And you can't, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is like, I don't want to try to like revamp golf philosophy based on Kramer Hickok's first round at the Travelers Championship. But it did, it did get me thinking about that a little bit because I think sometimes guys are so uh, confident that they just go at every pin and it, it doesn't work out. Well, on good setups, going at the pins should be risk-reward. There should be kind of some danger for doing so. If you leave yourself on the short side, that could be troublesome to get up and down or getting up and down for par is kind of your your best-case scenario. But hitting the middle of every single green and giving yourself 18 25-footers, that, maybe that's the key to success and see if you can roll enough of them in. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, he did make it clear, Hickok did, that he's like, I didn't shoot a whatever 60 what do you shoot 63 64 what is part of there yeah 63. 63 with my c game but i felt like i had my c game on on the range and i just i thought that was super interesting just philosophically about how guys kind of think about this stuff i wonder how often that happens to him where he has not his great stuff on the range and he decides to make in his own mind a strategic decision to to change like that that to me seems drastic maybe it doesn't happen often so he's figured oh you know what i'm so bad on the range right now i'm just going to try something different I, I don't know how often these guys are kind of as you mentioned philosophically changing things well the flip side of it right is that he finishes 70th in putting and right. we're, not we're not talking we're not about talking about him <laughs> yeah kramer hickok is not being talked about in the first segment of the first cut podcast mm -hmm. on thursday afternoon so you know, and Mark brought this up at the end of the U.S. Open, or maybe it was earlier this week when he was talking about how, like, hey, everybody hits it good, which is true compared to me and you and everybody else on this podcast. But there are varying degrees of like, not everybody hits it the same on on the tour, and. What I'm saying there is like you can only finish third in putting so many times in a row to try to contend in a golf tournament. Like you have to hit you. You do have to go at pins. I I just I, I was I was int I was really interested because you don't hear guys talk about that specific philosophy very often at the tour level. Well, the man that he's tied with atop the leaderboard, Satoshi Kadaira, also a seven under sixty three. Not only putted the lights out currently, and there's. A couple more guys on the course as we record this. The best putter in the field, 3.8 strokes gained there, which is a little bit worrisome. But then you look at this, KP, the third best in strokes gained approach. Uh, that right there, my friend, is the combination. G gain a bunch of strokes on approach. Gain a bun bunch of strokes on the putting surface. And you are in line for potentially, uh, obviously, a lot of golf left to be played to earn your first top 10 this season. Yeah, it, and that's a little. Uh, Producer Jacob's trying to misdirect us here. He he said three. He said three top twenties in a row. So he's been playing good golf. Good and I do, I do have a, a great little nugget here from this website called oh it's a, oh rickrungood.com. That's mine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if you've ever been on that, but I got the I got the little newsletter this week, and I've got a nugget here. It Go says ahead. Satoshi Satoshi Kadaira 
has gained strokes off the tee in six consecutive events. I have another nugget on here that says uh, TPC River Highlands is one of the 10 most important uh, courses in terms of strokes gained off the tee. So I know that's important at this course. Yep. Uh, he's also gained strokes on approach in four of his last five events and has gained strokes putting in three straight. And there's who a fire emoji. Who could have <laughs> seen this coming other than rickrungood.com? Uh, you should visit that website. Very, <laughs> very, very good website. No, yeah, I mean, listen, he's been trending in the right direction. This is a guy, his win came at, and, and producer Jacob has it here. This is his final season on his exemption from winning at Hilton Head, which is another course that does not require distance, right? Kind of be more precise on your approaches, get into that wedge range. His range, his proximity buckets from like 75 to 125, he's one of the better uh, players on the PGA Tour. Now, there's a lot of courses, KP, where... <laughs> those aren't the buckets you're hitting from. But when you get to <laughs> River Highlands or you get to to Harbor Town, uh, it starts to it starts to come back into play a bit more. Well, yeah, it is interesting because you look at the top, uh, let's say eight on this board, and nobody is is long. Kadira is short, Hickok short, Taylor Gooch is short, or at least they were on on Thursday. T- Gooch doesn't seem like he's that short generally, but on Thursday. The driving distance here. I mean, these guys are all outside the top hundred in this field in driving distance. Bryce Garnett was short. Henrik Norlander. I mean, you just go down the list. And yeah, that's interesting. Uh, one more note on Kadira. Do you know what his not his world ranking, but his ranking in Japan is? Like his his like if you look at the top Japanese players, where does he rank? Oh well, I I I know his world rank is. Probably between 250 and 300 ish. So you're asking me how many Japanese players are ahead of him? Yes. Oh boy. A um, couple dozen. 35. Okay. So you're, well, you doubled <laughs> it. It's it's he's ranked 17th. Okay. I was shocked by that. I would not. I would have thought because I was looking. I was like, did did Satoshi Kodaira make the Olympics? Or oh, he didn't. I mean, Ooh, didn't even sniff they, it. They could have had like. <laughs> seven Olympic fields and he wouldn't have made it. <laughs> I did I, I I had no idea he was that far down the list. Yeah, okay, here it is. Ranked 294th in the world. Satoshi Kadaira missed four consecutive cuts, then had the, has had those three straight top 20s. The round the rest of this top five, Taylor Gooch is up here, Maverick McNeely, Bryce Garnett, Bo Hostler, Henrik Norlander. Patrick Rogers that rounds out the T4s. Let's talk about some of the bigger names here because they did not play well. Dustin Johnson essentially salvaged his round by birdieing both 17 and 18 to get in at even par. And as we speak, the scoring average today was 69.99. So he's he's right on it at even par. Uh, but it, it is a little bit concerning that... He lost basically a stroke off the tee. Yeah, he. I don't know, man. What's the deal? I don't know. I really don't. I, know. I, 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 you know, I, I think there was a path. You see him play pretty decent at Congaree. He gets in it a little bit at the U.S. Open, and then all of a sudden it's TPC River Highlands, and and you, and you can talk yourself into. And I think I did a little bit. Mm-hmm. He played great here last year. He won. That kind of kickstarted most of what he did the rest of the summer and fall, even though he mixed in that weird Memorial 3M stretch in between the the uh, the Travelers win and everything else that he did. 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's like he's lost, but he's just not, it's not there. I don't, I don't know. I don't get I, it. I keep saying he's not sharp, which I think is just a really lame way to describe it. But it, it seems like some weeks it's the driver, some weeks it's the putter. He doesn't seem very far off, but he doesn't seem good. He's just okay. It's like when Rory. It's like when Rory restarted, and his you know his he was just pedestrian with a wedge or an iron in his hand, and it's like he's not bad, but it's just it's not Rory. This is just not DJ. Yeah. I mean, his his ball striking numbers on Thursday are terrible. 127th in driving, 89th in approach. He kind of saved it with his short game, but I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I don't, I don't like with him. It it doesn't seem like a lack of focus because I think he's the same amount of focused always, right? Correct. It's not yeah. as if it like goes up and down like Kepka talks about or even like Louis Oosthuizen talks about. I think DJ is just like, and I mean this in, and we've talked about how this is like his his secret superpower is mm-hmm. he's just a, he he's the exact same focus all the time. And maybe that's maybe I'm overstating that. I don't know how you would not be more focused at a Masters or or a U.S. Open or whatever, but. I would. I don't know. I would, I would not say it's focus. I would. I would compare him to a very smart, savvy hitter in baseball who does not get too high after going five for five the night before. Does not get too low after going zero for five. Understands the ebbs and flows. I don't know if it's focus as much as just like it to him. It's just like he's playing ten thousand holes. He's just out there playing a hole of golf. That is what he is doing. He is going to hit the next shot, and he's going to see what they add up to be. So like a Bobby Abreu. Oh my God. I can't believe you pulled a Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu for a long time was my favorite player growing up because he was a Philly. And then when he went, here's what I was so upset about. Can I tell we have to, uh, I have to tell the story? Bobby Abreu yeah, played. I hit a I hit a vein here. <laughs> I love it. Bobby Abreu played for the Phillies for a long time. I don't know, eight, 10 years or whatever. He's like, you're at 300 hitter. That guy never ran out of ground ball, never ran out of fly out. I don't really <laughs> care about that, which I didn't care. I do not care about that. When he finally either got traded to the Yankees or signed with the Yankees, his very first at bat, he grounded out a routine ground ball to second base and he almost beat it out at first. And I was so mad, Kyle, that he, <laughs> because he was wearing the pinstripes, he was hustling and he wasn't hustling for us. I, I hated it. That's fake fake hustle he was on uh i think he was on my astros for a while at the very beginning i think uh he he bounced over yeah he might have i'd have to look this and up. then he went to the philly he was so good oh he was so yeah. good he was such yeah. a good hitter he played 18 now I'm, okay he played 18 years two years with the astros a bunch with the phillies are you yeah, here we go. <laughs> We're now a baseball podcast. <laughs> okay, so he went, yeah, Houston when he was 20, 23, 22, 23. That's when, so like that 96, 97, that's when I was really following the Astros. That was like the uh, Tony Eusebio, um, you know, all that that whole Richard Hidalgo, all those yeah, guys. Abreu, yeah. Abreu was a uh, was a fantasy star too. He was awesome. So the the here we go. The uh, his years with Philly, ninety eight to two thousand five. He batted three oh five over those twelve hundred games. Yeah, like it, that's he was just so. Good. And then he won. Then he had that uh, home run derby. He, I think he won a home run derby and then did not hit a home run in the second half or something completely outrageous <laughs> like that. It, the guy was just he was maddening. But I love he. Him. He was 
By the way, is there a better website than baseballreference.com? No, no, it is it is the holy grail of sports data websites. It's perfect it's, in every way. It's so so I mean, and baseball is kind of tailor-made for that. I don't I we need to we need to talk about all right. On the flip Patrick side, Rogers, of- <laughs> but baseball reference is amazing. <laughs> on the sure flip, a golf reference. On the flip side of uh, Dustin Johnson, who was a terrible ball striker, Brooks Kepka shot a one under 69 thanks to the ball striking gains over a stroke off the tee, a stroke and a half on approach. He lost both around the greens and on the greens. This is kind of what we saw him do for two rounds at Palmetto. So this is. Again, I suppose reasons to be more encouraged about Brooks here in a non-major that he doesn't care about. Yeah, I think. By the way, the race for Low Kepka is on. They're both. Uh, they both shot sixty-nine, I think. Well, and they both putted horrifically. I mean, uh, so I've got it right here. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Kepka, Chase Kepka, one hundred thirty-fourth in putting, and Brooks Kepka, ninety-fifth in putting. So, Chase gained two and a half strokes on approach. Yeah, have a day. Switching. Yeah, have a day. I, the Kepka thing is is it's not weird because we keep seeing it. But his last five rounds, Rick, if you go back to first two at Byron Nelson, and then two at Palmetto, and now today, they're all terrible putting days. And to me, that's just you know I I'm, I wonder if I don't know he maybe he's been asked this. I wonder if it's the you know how he like can't read the putt. He has to you know crawl around or whatever i wonder if he's just kind of like hey this isn't a major or whatever i'm not gonna you know put that stress on my knee i'm not gonna try to read it as closely as i would at, at a u.s open or pga that that to me is is one potential answer because he's a, he's a good putter i mean he's not he shouldn't he shouldn't be a hundredth in the field in putting i guess is what i'm saying and he's he's done that for three straight events that were not major championships so i it doesn't like i don't care about it whatever you know get back to me at the open but that's one plausible scenario for kind of what's been going on yeah it's pretty interesting i'll keep a close eye on that was keeping a close eye on bryson dechambeau this morning so he went out in the morning wave was interesting to see how he would respond to the sunday meltdown at tory pines it was fine. Opening round 69, uh, bogeyed his, or excuse me, birdied his second to last hole of the day to get under par. It was the eighth hole, his 17th hole. But the front nine is the side he should be absolutely decimating with essentially a drivable par four, which I don't think he tried to take on on Thursday. The two long par threes are on this side. There's a par five on this side. He played it at one under, but um, I, I, I feel like Bryson's, Bryson's brewing right now. Yeah, he he hit it in the water on 15 too. So he lost strokes off the tee. And the thing about Bryson is if you look at his the way he puts his rounds together, if he loses strokes off the tee, it's it really is it's hard to make him up. Because right because yeah. it's not he he didn't lose strokes off the tee because he was short. He lost them because he was really wild or he hit something out of bounds. And so you know if something if something looks bad off the tee, like numbers-wise, then it something's gone really wrong in his round that that's going to be difficult from from a scoring standpoint to recover from so that was my only takeaway there i think he's in a decent position to uh to make a run on the weekend he kind of low-key hasn't had that many great finishes uh over the last two or three months i think one top 10 wells fargo maybe is that right? I think so. I think I think yeah. he's, I think yeah. only top ten since API. Well, he finished top ten at the players the next week, right? Yeah, and then the only other one is is uh, Wells Fargo. 
Yeah, 26th, 18th, 38th, 55th, 46th, all in there, in that stretch as well. Uh, okay, a couple guys who did not, not play well. Not only didn't they play well, but for Paul Casey, didn't look well. Uh, Casey went out like a banshee and birdied, let's see, six, seven, eight, and nine, made the turn in four under, then was seen doing a lot of stretching. Doing a lot of back grabbing, bogey 10, 11, 12, 13. I thought we were certainly on WD watch when he plugged it in the water on 15. Now he was able to get up and down and make par there, but he, phys- uh, he literally and figuratively limped to the finish line to get this round in at one over 71. Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't great. Bat nine was, I saw Shane Bacon was rooting for, so he, he parred his first five, birdied yeah. his next four, bogeyed his next four, and Bacon was rooting for parring his last five for a perfectly symmetrical card. Didn't do uh, that was that was a bummer. <laughs> I had I had yeah he didn't I had he nearly did I had Casey in some matchup I think it was over Bryson and that's not looking great right now because he just. It's not a. I, I think it's just a. How healthy are you? Thing. Right? Correct. He like the guy makes the turn in four under. This is a place he's absolutely dominated. I don't even. I mean, if you want to talk about the picks, like you can't predict guys' backs tightening up or injuries or anything like that. Yeah. He goes out in four under. He scorches this place, and then he's on the on the tee box, laying on the ground, stretching every hole. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a bummer. Uh, real quick, two other things. Three other things. Uh, one Matthew Wolf, not good. That was rough. <laughs> you want to talk about the other guy? Six over two. <laughs> uh, Finau, my gosh, what in the world? The wolf, um, wolf lost across the board every single category, which is ugly. So did Tony Finau. The the shots that I saw Tony make coming in, uh, he had a super awkward lie on I think fifteen and straight scald one, smacked it straight in the head, <laughs> and then he did something on. Eight, I think it was seventeen. Uh, cold, basically cold, topped it out of the fairway bunker. Not good. Yikes! Yikes! Uh, let's see. What do I have? Oh, Patrick Rogers had a quote. So I watched Patrick Rogers. He was on the range a lot at the U.S. Open, which is where I was because I was shooting videos for CBS Sports HQ, and he flushes it. I mean, he hits it so so. Good. I'm, I'm shocked that he is not done more in his career right because he's got the pedigree he hits it yeah the college stuff he's insane it is insane he hits it unbelievably i I really think he's i think he's an interesting guy over the next couple days to to kind of keep an eye on but he had this quote today he said uh patience is always tough he's talking about working on his iron play it's the name of the game the key out here and this is this is where i want your opinion he said the more objective and emotionally stable that you can be that's the key to playing great golf now on its face, I don't disagree with that quote, but I will say we just saw somebody who's incredibly emotional and at times emotionally unstable in John <laughs> Rahm win the U.S. Open. So I think I think what he's saying is true to a degree, but you also like the key to playing great golf is having all the like every tool, right? Or yes, I agree with that. Or what he's talking about is for him. I, I think that yes, yes, I agree. It's Rom's DNA to be like that. If Rom yeah. tried to be cool, calm, and collected on every single shot and show no emotion, <laughs> you would not have John Rom or his brain would explode, one or the other. So so maybe Patrick Rogers is saying, for me, the key is to be, you know, calm and stable and all this stuff. So I, I think yeah. it is it, it's DNA dependent. 
yeah, I think that's a great call. I, I, I think Patrick Rogers is really good. I was shocked. Do you know what his world ranking is? Oh gosh, I um one sixty two. That's close. Two oh nine. Oh, okay. Like I, in my head, I don't. Taylor Gooch is ranked seventieth. Patrick Rogers is two hundred nine. I don't really right. think think <laughs> How that different differently <laughs> about yeah. You know, because neither is one, and you're just kind of like I don't know. They're in this big bucket of guys that I kind of think the same about. But um, Gooch is interesting too. I, I think him and Rogers have a have a lot of staying power in that top five. Well, let's talk about that because we're going to take a peek at the odds board, which I think is a very interesting odds board this evening. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Our friends over at William Hill have installed Bubba Watson, three-time champion, as the favorite on this Thursday evening. What you'll notice about that, Kyle, is that he is three shots off the lead, and there are 15 other guys either tied or ahead of him, and he's 12 to 1. So William Hill has said, all you jabronis at the top, Kramer (laughs) Hickok, Satoshi Kodaira, Taylor Gooch, Mav McNeely, no, not not this week. They have installed Bubba Watson at 12 to 1, although note how long he is. Then Patrick Cantlay, who I believe is two under. Yeah, yeah. two under par, five off the lead, 14 to 1. The man who is tied at the top, Satoshi Kadaira, 16 to 1, along with Taylor Gooch. There is not a lot of respect for any of these guys at the top of the board. I think it makes sense, though. I mean, you look at the top, what? <laughs> five and everybody had an elite putting day right uh satoshi kadaira number one kramer hickok number three bryce garnett number two bo hostler number 12 like they were all in the top 15 other than gooch uh rogers was terrible yeah rogers yeah rogers is the guy here that i'm like oh that's interesting is he gonna win i don't i don't know probably not but i think it's at least intriguing bubba Bubba's fourth in the last 10 years in terms of strokes gain on this course. He's kind of like the, yeah, he's like the lesser version of Paul Casey here. And I wish I would have seen that coming or just thought about that a little bit more because he played great for the Can first I, two rounds. Yes. Open. The, Go the ahead. lesser version of, but, but, did you say Bubba Watson is the lesser version of Paul Casey in terms of strokes gain? He's won like three oh. times here, right? I was, that's what I was going to say. So he's won three times. Paul Casey's never won here. Yeah. How is Bubba Watson? Paul Casey is the lesser version of Bubba Watson. Well, Paul, that's <laughs> yes, you're right. Paul Casey gains 2.3 strokes per round here. And Bubba's yeah. at 1.8. So yeah. Bubba's great weeks are Great, good enough to. I think he's beaten Paul Casey a couple of times, uh, but Paul Casey's. I guess I should have said more consistently good across a, a long, long period of time. For sure. So yeah. So the the two names at the top here. So Rogers, who is currently first in the field in strokes gained approach, and he is two shots off the lead. Is wow, thirty three to one. So if yeah. you think there's some staying power there, that's that's tickling your fancy, isn't it? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take, I think Gooch at 16 is good. I think Bryson at 20 is pretty good. I, I just, 
I, th- I think it's a perfect board where you have some kind of lesser guys that putted it great and some big names that have success at this course behind them to set up for this kind of odds board that we're looking at. Right. So I, I just, yes. I think there's a what, and all that to say, I think there's a lot of value there. I think Burns is value. I think Bryson's value Brooks, maybe not, but yeah, you normally don't get the big names this long after one round when they haven't played themselves completely out of the tournament. Even if they have played themselves completely out of the tournament, they'd be like 40 to one. Bryson's 20 to one and he's in the thick of it. Brooks is in the thick of it. Yeah, it's 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 a very good board for a Thursday if you want to get some of the big boys or uh, if you want to get anybody. Normally, we don't see 12 to one be the shortest guy on the board. Yeah, I can't lie too. Cause he, I mean, it's just, I don't know, four strokes here is just, it's nothing. And he's, he's hitting it great. I mean, he, that spring thing he had where he missed four of the five cuts, that was weird. And we might, we might look back at that and be like, this was the, he won like immediately before it. He won immediately after it. If he continues, yeah, to win, it's going to be the strangest set of five starts or six starts. <laughs> it was, it was weird, dude. Uh, real quick, last thing, Brian Moody in the comments on YouTube. First of all, thanks for watching, Brian. He says, KP, is it too early for us to be breaking down Ryder Cup implications after every round? Listen, no, never. It's never too early. We've been doing it most rounds for a little, or most round fours for the last six months. (laughs) And secondly, I've got a take here. I got a take. So your top six, just, I'm going to go like one minute on this DJ Bryson, Morikawa, JT, Brooks, Xander. If those guys are all healthy, they're in. Reed seventh. He's in. Cantlay's eighth. He's in. Then it gets interesting. Finau is ninth. Get him. He's he's not a lock. Spieth is ten. He is a lock. Berger, Webb, Harry English is thirteen. He's out of the top twelve. Scheffler, Mm -hmm. Horschel, Mm -hmm. Jason Kokrak, Phil, and then Homa Burns, Zalatoris, Woodland, Matthew Wolf. There. There's going to be two or three guys that you're like, wow. And I think the big thing about this, and and this is relevant to today's round, Finau's not Finau. He played great in Paris, especially he. I think he just baptized Tommy Fleetwood on Sunday in Paris. He's. He, I mean, he missed a cut at the U.S. Open. Not playing great this week. He's he's going to be interesting to monitor because I think. He's not a guy where you're like, oh, if he's in the top 10, he's definitely, or I guess top 12, he's definitely in, like you would say about Spieth or Reed right. or somebody like that. He's not, I don't think he's that guy. And then do you take Phil? Like, how's he going to look the rest of the summer? He didn't look that great on, he hit some putts on Thursday that I was like, he won the PGA? How did this happen? I know. Right? I know. It's 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 getting he's gonna be he's gonna be the guy that like in 20 more events we're gonna be like, how in the world did he oh. pull this off? <laughs> well, I, I heard uh, I heard uh Solly at No Way and Up say this during the during the US Open. He's like, I think Phil's just playing like this to remind you, like, yeah, what I did was was it is better than you think it was. <laughs> Which yeah, and, you, and and every time he hits a bad shot or plays poorly, everyone's like but he uh, he just won the PGA. He's got a lot of maker. Like it's just like you have to remind everybody of that. So then the last thing here, if you're on YouTube, could you scroll down, producer Jacob? Is somebody that you were talking about coming in this week, Harris English? Yeah, awesome at the U.S. Open. Played great again on Thursday. I think he was three or four under. 
three, I think. Yep. Three under on Thursday. And he's right outside that top, uh, that top 12. So yeah, I, all that to say, I think this is, this is going to be a fascinating storyline. Now that we've got the Olympics set, uh, you're coming up on your last major here in a month. I think this storyline, especially on the U S side is going to be super intriguing over the last, uh, or over the next two or three months. When is the deadline? When, when, when's the last day to get points? Who can say? I don't know. Um, they they always change it around. And I'm trying, for I'm all, trying to for scan. All I know, for all I know, the BMW championship winner gets in automatically. I don't know. I don't know what rules they've made. <laughs> all right. I was looking for a deadline. I can't find it. Now, Kyle, I'm going to let you out of here. But before I do, for the first time this season, uh, there will not be a round recap tomorrow. Oh. There would not be a Friday round recap, but however, however, you will not be without the first cut because we are going to post the interviews that we did with Max Homa and Jason Day, both of them currently sitting at one under par at the Travelers Championship. So we are going to run those in the spot. I think they were good. Yeah, I. you talked to Homa. We both talked to Day and the day one was great. He was super... I asked him some questions, like personal questions, not personal, but like, hey, work-life balance, essentially. How do you manage it? And I thought he was great on it. Gave us a tour of the RV. I told my wife, she's like, wow, let's get one. I'm like, oh. I don't know. If he's well, I don't know if he's always like this, but he seemed like he was ready to talk for two hours. If we had two hours with him, we would have just gotten into anything. He he was willing to talk about anything. He was willing to talk about the ups, the downs. It was, I, I was very pleasantly surprised. And maybe he's like that all the time, or maybe we caught him on a, in a, in a good moment. He, no, he's always really nice. We probably got to, could have gotten some Bobby Abreu stuff with that Philly shirt he had on. I know. We could have gone full circle on this thing. <laughs> 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 All right. That'll be, that'll be Friday, the Max Homa, Jason Day interviews for now. Let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Kyle Porter, who you can find on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. 